0: Happy Wednesday. Hope you guys are doing well. Having a few difficulties back. We'll get it all worked out. You guys come on. Tag and share, please. So, Chandra, how are you? How are you? How are you? Let's see. Um, looks a little dark on this one, let's see, can we? There we go, livin' up a little bit. Something there, hey, H. Sorry guys, I'm joining a little late, had a couple difficulties. See, like every device I grab, my kids uh, have ran down the battery on it. So I had to find some external batteries for my cameras. You guys are tag and share. I would appreciate it. Welcome to Refresh Bible Study. What's up, Mansell? What's up, Lee? H. Bryant? How you guys are doing? What's up, Vess? Hey, Lindsay You guys are tag and share. I would appreciate that. And we're gonna get started. Since I got on late, I give it about two more minutes. Then we're gonna get started so that we can take advantage of our time together tonight. Try to fix this camera a little bit. Sorry about that. All right, I think that's better. Hey, Taylor, how are you? Watermelon head, huh? Hello, hello, hello. Tag and share, tag and share. We're gonna get started. Like I said, I'll wait another minute or two before we get, uh, get going. Thanks, Miss Reynolds. So, announcements, we can do a couple of those while we're here, so don't forget. Uh, Sunday morning, uh, Kristen, Pastor Chris, uh, Kristen Valley worships. please join us Sunday mornings at 930 on her personal uh, page. It's Kristen Valley worships on Facebook. You can join her at 930 for that. And then followed up at 10 a.m., uh, we'll have Sunday celebration with Pastor Ellen, Pastor Sean, uh, teaching the Word. And so that's Sunday. On Mondays, you can join Pastor Sean at Sean Strickland uh, for Mindset Monday. Awesome time, way to start your week after getting the word on Sunday is Mindset Monday challenging you to your thinking so that you can do some soul work, your mind, your will, imaginations, emotions, and intellect, aligning those with the word of God. And then on Tuesday, we have corporate prayer on this uh, Fellowship of Champions page, Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. So you can join us for for that. And if you so choose, we fast on Monday nights from 8 p.m. to Tuesday. Uh, after prayer. So if you want to join us for pr- uh, fasting and prayer, uh, I would encourage you to do that. Then Wednesdays come back here uh, for refreshed Bible Study. Alright? So I'm going to get a sip and we're going to pray and get started. Like I said, if you haven't already, please tag and share. Uh, and uh, we'll go from there. So Hey Leslie, hey Lauren, how are you guys doing? Well, let's go ahead and get started. I've waited an extra minute and a half. And so, like I said, I want to be respectful of your time. So Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for peace. We thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. And most of all, God, we thank you for your love. We thank you, God, that you have established a foundation of love in our life, Father, and that we're able to comprehend the depth, the width, the height, and the breadth of that love that you have for us. We thank you that the eyes of our understanding are being flooded with light, God. We thank you that your perfect love has driven out all fear and that we walk in boldness, confidence, Father, that we walk in assurance that you have already finished a good work on our behalf. We thank you that, that, that everything that you started, you've already finished it. We thank you that even in the midst of what seems to be a crisis, with a pandemic, God, that we can have a certainty that we will come out victorious because that's what your word says. And tonight, Father, as I teach the word, Father, I pray that it will come through with simplicity and understanding and that it will fall on good ground and that the seed of your word will be planted and bring forth great harvest for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Let's get started. So let's go over our objecti- objectives tonight because uh, I'm just going to take my time. I'm doing better each week, just trying to take my time and not rushing things. We'll get to what we get to and what we don't, we may do next week. Uh, and if not, you can just go study it out in the work for yourself. Uh, but our objective tonight, the title is Crisis or Opportunity? How do you see it? crisis or opportunity, how do you see it? So we got three objectives tonight. This is what I want to accomplish tonight. I want to establish that nothing is permanent except God and his promises. We need to establish that nothing is permanent. Let me move back because I think it's shaking the camera. Except God and his promises. All right, that's number one. Number two, understand what a crisis is and how it impacts our lives. So I want us to understand what is a crisis and how does it impact us, all right? And then the third thing is to understand how our vision helps us to overcome and experience victory in the midst of a crisis, all right? So those are three things. Number one, God's word is permanent and everything else is seasonal. Number two, What is a crisis and how does it impact us? And number three, how does my vision, how does what I'm looking at help me to overcome and experience victory in the midst of a crisis? So those are what we're going to talk about. So we're going to start off with a scenario. Imagine, and I'm just going to read this to you, and I need you to use your your imagination, all right, as we go. Imagine this. It is the middle of winter and freezing cold. It's snowing. Your feet are cold and they're wet. The wind is blowing in your face and your car battery is dead. Already, some of y'all already mad. You can feel the anger coming up because you're cold, you're wet, and your car won't start. How do you feel? Probably not good. You're, an experience, you're experiencing what we call a crisis situation. A crisis is defined as a time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. The difficulty is that you're cold, you're wet, and your car won't start. Do you just quit and just sit there? Do you decide, oh man, this is over. Uh I'm going to escape, escape life and I'm about to go be with Jesus. Do you just end it all? Do you make a decision to buy a new car? You know what? This battery won't start. I'm just going to go buy a new car right now. Or do you just go walk down to the store and buy all new clothes and throw your old clothes away? Buy new shoes cuz they wet and buy uh, and throw your old shoes away. No, many of us wouldn't do that. Why? Because we see that though this is difficult, Though that is unpleasant, it is not permanent. It is a season, let's say a moment, that we must overcome to get to where we want to go. It says, based on your vision, this experience was seen as something horrible or an impact for you for day, and will impact you for days, or you will see it as an opportunity to get better for the future. So your car is dead, your clothes are wet, your shoes are wet, and it's winter and it's snowing. The weatherman said, hey, put clothes and things in your car because, look, things may get a little nasty this week, you know, so have extra clothes just in case you get stranded. Your car didn't start three days ago, and then two weeks ago it had issues starting, but you overlooked all of that. And so the first thing I want to tell you is this. God gives you indications of things to come, but so many times we ignore those. So many times we ignore the small inklings from the Holy Spirit that says, Don't spend that, save it. This ain't time to, it's not the time to be spending. It's the time to be saving. This is not the time to be going out. It's the time to be cooking at the house. This is not the time to be overeating. This is the time to be exercising. So many times we get information from the Holy Spirit to prepare us for situations to come. And so. However, you made it, right? You got to the, you called Roadside Assistance. You had faith in Roadside. So Roadside, they showed up for you. You have faith that you'll make it to the house and it will be warm because you got on your phone. If you like me, I got on my phone and I was like, hey, set the thermostat at 80. So when I walked in, the house was nice and warm. And then I went and got out of my old clothes and I put on nice dry clothes and I got under the blanket and I started dreaming about what summer and spring will look like. Why? Because I understood that that was just, that was a season of crisis. It was because when we hear season, we automatically think the three months out of the year, like the seasons that we experience uh, through winter, summer, uh, spring, and fall. But a season can be as long as it needs to be based off your faith. A season doesn't have to be three months. A season doesn't have to be forever. It could be as long as needed for you to grow up. And so in that scenario, you didn't lose faith. You didn't make any permanent decisions because you had hope. What did you have hope of? You had hope that roadside assistance will come. You had hope that your house would be heated when you got home. You had hope that you could put on dry clothes and get under the blanket. It was your hope that sustained you to keep you from making a permanent decision. But we understand that in that situation, but do we understand that when it comes to life. It was your vision, your ability to have faith in what was coming next that helped you to maintain during that season of cold, during that season of wet, during that moment of discomfort, during that moment of pain, you didn't make a permanent decision to buy a new car, to end your life, to put on clothes or do, do whatever. Why? Because you had hope. And it is the hope of something that's coming next that gives us the ability to stagger not at the premises of God through crisis and through seasons that are unfavorable to us. All right. So what we got to understand is this. The vision of the future is what helps you push through. The vision of the future is what helps you push through. You knew, you got to know that everything is seasonal except God and his promises. Go ahead and type that. Everything is seasonal except God and his promises. Everything is seasonal except God and his promises. And see, this is what I love about words uh, in a Japanese uh, language. That they, they don't really have, the word crisis. Check out what the word crisis mean in the Japanese language. The word crisis, when you break it down, is broken down to two bases. It means dangerous opportunity. A crisis can be. So in the Japanese language, when they when the word crisis come through, it's really for them. It's opportunity. Crisis is opportunity. Why? Because in every crisis, there's always an opportunity to advance. In every crisis, there's always an opportunity to become more. In every crisis, there's always an opportunity to grow up. Instead of seeing crisis as this negative thing, I'm going to adopt what the Japanese think. If that when they hear crisis, they hear opportunity. It is an opportunity, though danger may be apparent by your physical senses. In the physical, I sense danger. In the physical, I sense is maybe scary. In the physical, it may seem like I can't make it, but what is it? It is an opportunity. For me to grow up, it's an opportunity for me to get ahead. It's an opportunity for me to build a business. It's an opportunity for my marriage to get better. It's an opportunity for my kids to get better. I don't see a crisis. What I see is an opportunity for God to be God in my life. Why? Because a crisis is just an opportunity. But if you don't see it as an opportunity, then the feelings and the effects of a crisis will take over you. And we'll talk about what those are in a minute. If you don't see it as an opportunity, you close the door for God to advance in your life. Because if I can't see opportunity, I can't hear God say, Sow money here, invest here. If I can't see opportunity, I can't hear God speak to me about how to get my marriage better. If you already have decided that you get in the divorce, then you can't see opportunity in the midst of a crisis situation in your marriage. You can't see where God is working on your character. You can't see where God is willing to work on your love walk. You can't see where God is willing to work on your patience. You you can't see where God is willing to work on your humility because you have already decided in the midst of the crisis that this was a dangerous situation, that it was a fearful situation, that I'm alone and I'm the only one experiencing this, and that there is no way out because in a crisis, you either fight or you flight. In a crisis, you have to be able to understand that you have to stagger not and have faith if you're gonna have any glimmer of hope. And so, what you gotta understand that in a crisis, it will be whatever you call it. It will be whatever you call it. Whatever you call it, that is what it is. If you call it an opportunity, you start taking advantage of it. If you call it disaster, you start experiencing disaster. If you call it opportunity, you start looking for ways to advance. If you call it destruction, you experience destruction. If you call it opportunity, you look for ways to be a better spouse. If you call it divorce, you look for ways to get out of the situation. If you call it opportunity, you look for ways to be a better parent. If you call your kids bad, you just, they become what you say. It is what you say it is. It is whatever you call it. And so in the midst of a crisis, am I saying crisis or am I saying opportunity? Am I looking Am I looking at a dead end or am I looking at tearing down a wall and going through? Because what I know about God is this. He has promised me victory. And what is the victory? And how do we experience this victory? It says even it is our faith that overcomes. And so what I gotta begin to see, and I'm talking about yeah recession now, yeah pandemic now, but I'm talking about your marriage, that crisis. I'm talking about your health, that crisis. Because for many of us, crisis isn't a bad thing. For many of us, if you you went to the doctor, and I say us people, you go to the doctor, and the only reason you changed was because of a crisis. Crisis creates change. Some of some people would never stop smoking if it wasn't for the doctor saying, if you don't stop smoking right now, in three weeks you're going to die. Why? What happens? Crisis produces a change. Because in the midst of a crisis, people begin to look for solutions to situations. So what is my solution to the situation? I have to stop smoking. Why? Because I, in that situation, I want to see opportunity called life. You got to begin to change your life. You got to begin to do things. Crisis causes change. Now that change could be good, or that change could be bad, but crisis will create change. So let's go about, let's talk about these seasons. All right, whatever you call it, that is what it is. Whatever, what is your mouth saying? When you hear yourself throughout the day, what are you saying? What's coming out your mouth? Are you saying I'm blessed and highly favored? Are you saying I'm broke and I don't know how I'm gonna pay bills? What are you saying? Because what what comes out of your mouth is what's overflowing, abundance in your heart. And so if we have a mentality where I see life and I see it not having enough, then that's what I experience and that's what I speak. If I see my marriage is not being whole and complete, that's what I have in my heart in abundance and that's what I speak. If I don't see a way out, then that's what's in my heart in abundance. That's what I speak. And so your words are indicators of what's flowing in abundance in your heart. And so we understand that seasons, say this, type this, seasons are temporary. Seasons are temporary. See, what you gotta understand about a season is this it's guaranteed to change. And so some of us, some people, they're going through it, you go through seasons in your marriage. Marriage is a good thing. You go through seasons in your marriage. There was a season in my marriage that 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 I could have gotten a divorce, that that April could have left. There was there are seasons. And, and, and that occur and which if you're not careful, if you don't see the hope and have faith in what the word says, then you will throw away. You will make a permanent decision based off a temporary season. I would consider divorce when all it is, it's, it's a season. It was a season to see God. It was a season to grow up in character. It was a season to understand discipline. It was a season to walk in obedience. It didn't feel good. And it was a season. And if you don't hear God in the midst of your season, you will begin to make permanent decisions based off temporary situations. And so seasons are temporary. But in the midst of a season, you can begin to have a plan for what the future looks like. So in the midst of that rough spot in our in our marriage, we didn't let that season destroy us. Hey, we'll be celebrating 17, wow, we'll be celebrating 17 years on August 7th because we didn't let a season, we didn't make a permanent decision to divorce in a season that was temporary in our marriage. Because some way, somehow, we believe as Christians that we shouldn't ever experience turmoil. That somehow we believe that everything always has to be good. It always has to be hunky door. It always smells like roses. Everything is always good. That is not the fact. If you go to Ecclesiastic, we're not going to go there, but there's a time for everything. The Bible says a time to get, a time to lose, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to receive, a time to cast away. There's a time in our lives for everything. In other words, we will experience seasons in our life that don't always align to what we want them to look at. It doesn't mean that God isn't real. It doesn't mean that your faith isn't working. It doesn't mean that you're not, uh, that grace doesn't work. It simply means that you're in a season. But because we have hope and that because we have faith and we hear God, then we have an incentive to know that this season is temporary. So we heard God and I remember God, somebody coming up to the uh, us in church and they said three they had they said six words they said stay together stay together stay together and so in those words was encompassed the hope that we needed to stand in a season of our life that didn't look didn't look good that didn't feel good it didn't it, nothing about it was glorious but we knew God had a promise for his life. He knew that victory was in our marriage. And so we did what God had said and we stood through the season. And when you stand through the season, then harvest comes. Because you, the thing you got to know about a tree is this. A tree isn't producing fruit all year long. The bo- I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's, keep, let's talk about season. Keep talking. Nothing ever remains the same except God's words. Seasons are always temporary. The key to life, here you go, number, oh, I'm sorry, I was going through the five things. Number five, the key to life is to outlast the season. The key to life is to outlast the season. Go ahead and type that. Say, I I outlast the season. I outlast the season. Because seasons are always moving. Seasons are always moving. So you got to stay still in the word. You got to be founded on the word of God because seasons come, right? They come, they go, they come, they go but what's your foundation? Your foundation has to be the word of God, because even though a season of turmoil may come, God is my rock and he is my salvation. Even when harvest is overtaking me, God is my rock and my salvation. Even when death sucker punch you and you lose somebody that you really love, God is my rock and my salvation. No matter the season I stay still and I am founded in the word of God. He is my rock. He is my salvation. He is the one that promises me victory. He is, he is the one that has helped me to overcome. He is the one that started a good thing in me and he will see it to the end. I am not moved by a season. I am not moved by a pandemic. I am not moved by a low bank account. I am not moved by unhealth unhealthiness. I am not moved by sickness. I am not moved by a season of rough patch in my marriage. I am not moved by rough, I mean, kids not being obedient. I am not moved by being unemployed. I am, these are seasons that I am not moved for why? because I know they're temporary. And because my vision is on God and it's not on what I see in the natural, I can stand still and know that God will see me through. I can stagger not at the premises of God in unbelief. I can hope against hope. Why? Because in the midst of winter, in the midst of cold, I know summer's coming. I know spring is coming. Why? Because I have hope. It says, never respond. Permanently to a temporary situation, and 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 it ain't the case that that for everybody. And I know it's kind of sensitive, and I thought about saying it or not, but it is a good example. When people commit suicide, what they're doing is making a permanent decision based off of a temporary situation, and a and that's a far example right that's way over there but that's a good way for you to look look at things you can't be making permanent decisions based off temporary situations the same god that saved you is the same god that'll see you through this season but where is your focus because once again crisis means opportunity when my mom died yes that was a really bad thing I didn't like it. The physical, it it, it threw me for a loop. I remember sitting on my couch after the first week of school had ended with my feet up thinking, man, what a great week. And getting a call from my sister where she's screaming and mama's non-responsive and my heart failing. And in that moment, I felt like sucker punch and and the enemy will talk to you about opportunities for you to create space to doubt God. But God, if you're a healer, why didn't you heal my mama? But God, if you this, why didn't this happen? But what you got to do is like, if, if my mama died, it doesn't change the fact that God is a healer. Whatever it is, it is. God is still a healer. And in that season of time, I had the opportunity to begin to doubt God. I had the opportunity to begin to get upset with God. But what I had to realize was the same God that saved my mama from her deathbed was the same God living today even though she's in heaven. It was the same God that gave her salvation and a way to eternal life. In that season, you had to stand on the rock, which is God who never moves. In that season, I had to understand that though everything wasn't going right, though I didn't feel good every day, though all these things were happening, it didn't move me because I knew it was temporary. I knew it was a time for me to grow up. It was a time for me to develop my character. It was a time for me to understand the love of God even better, to fill me with joy, to fill me with peace, to fill me with this overcompensating feeling of joy and happiness. It was a time, it was a season to dig into God and not allow despair, not allow bereavement, not allow depression, not allow heartache, not allow all of these things to overtake me because I wasn't willing to make a permanent decision in a temporary situation. And so many of us, when we're sucker punched, we begin to make permanent decisions. We begin to make all of these final decisions and situations is only meant to be temporary. Because what did I tell you? Seasons are temporary, but the word of God is everlasting. It goes for infinity. So you don't ever have to worry about the God failing you. He won't fail you. We must understand that God's blessings And see, here's the thing. In some seasons, you're not getting harvest. And so what the church has done, we have equated God's blessing to having stuff. We must understand that God's blessings are not measured by having things. You are blessed even without things. So I can't equate my blessing to having a new car. I can't equate being blessed to having a new house. Things don't make you blessed. You're blessed because God said you're blessed. Let's go to James 1 and 3. It says, knowing this, because in the midst of a season, look what happens. And and the Lord prepares us. First, James 1, 3 and 4. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith does work. It works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. See, some of us don't want to go through seasons, but baby, seasons grow you up. These things, though God ain't putting them on you. Let me make it clear. God ain't striking your mom and your auntie dead. God ain't making you lose your job. See, what happens is, though, through pride, sometimes, destruction, disgrace happens. And things go before the fall, right? Pride goes before the fall. And these unwanted things happen in your life. It's not God. It's seed sown being reaped. Or it's just life. We live in a world where sin exists. It's just life. But what we have to realize is this, that when we let patience have our perfect work, when we say, God, I understand it, where I'm at right now. I don't like it. I don't like the fact that I lost my job, Father. I don't like the fact that I'm getting unemployment. I don't like the fact of having to depend on other people. I don't like it. But what I'm going to do, Father, I am going to dig deep into your word. I'm going to understand that right now I'm going to have faith to know that this is temporary. This can't last forever. Why? Because the Bible says that the only thing that lasts forever is the word of God. It is the only thing that can stand the test of time for eternity. So I know this is temporary. So I choose to exhibit faith in God. So what I do, God, I I'll work out patience. And patience doesn't mean you do nothing, but patience means I'm consistent. I'm consistent in praying. I am consistent in fasting. I am consistent in tithing. I am consistent in reading my word. I meditate on the word both day and night and observe to do accordingly to all that's written therein so that I may make my way prosperous and I may have good success. So that word patience means consistent. And when you let consistency have her perfect work, the Bible says you will be perfect and entire wanting nothing. So when I, during a season, allow consistency in, in standing on God's word, consistency in exhibiting my faith, consistency in staggering not the premises of God through unbelief, the Bible says I will be perfect and entire. That word entire means fulfilled. I will be perfectly fulfilled, lacking nothing when I have patience, let patience have a perfect work. And so what we have to understand is this, that there are times it may seem like things aren't working on our behalf. There are times it may seem like God isn't hearing you. But baby, you just growing up. Stay consistent. Psalms one verses one through three. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in a company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. That's Psalms 1 verses 1 through 3. How many times have you read that? And I mean, you quoted, yes, Lord, I'm a tree planted by the water, living waters, that that, that I bring harvest. But you keep reading. It says, which yields its fruit in season. There are seasons when there is great, great harvest. And there are seasons when your leaves just green because you are still living, but your fruit Ain't always hard. You ain't harvesting fruit, and so many times in those seasons we think we're sinning. So many times in those seasons we think God isn't hearing us. But in those seasons, you're developing the si- the systems necessary to grow more fruit. It says the fact that the Bible talks about your lives, your leaves will not wither. It is telling you that even in a season in which harvest does not always appear, that you are not dead. You're really alive and you're anticipating another season of harvest. Your leaves are indication that you're still alive. The seasons where there are no fruit does not mean that you don't have faith. And seasons where there are no fruit does not mean that you don't have faith. It says fruit may not be evident, but there's still growth occurring. See, so we get so caught up on the fruit as, as the harvest of stuff, and you can't get caught up on the stuff. What we have to realize is that even where fruit isn't evident, there's growth that is still occurring. That tree is still growing taller. Those branches are still growing wider. They're getting stronger, they're getting thicker. Why? They are in preparation for the anticipation of harvest to come in a greater way than it came the year before. Why? Because when you begin in those seasons where you're being, if you go over to John 15 where pruning is taking place, you're only getting prepared to bear more fruit. But if you quit in a season when you don't see everything happening the way you want it to happen, then you quit because you think your faith not working. You quit because you think you're sinning. It's not sin. You're just going through a season. And it's not time to cave in. It's not time to quit. It's not time to throw down your religion. It's time to understand that I am digging a root system to sustain the harvest that God has for my life. I am expanding my trunk. I'm thickening my branches. I am preparing a place for the harvest that God has for me. It says also in verse three, it says, "Whatever you do will prosper." See, even this, God is saying, "Look, you'll bear harvest in your uh, season. Your greens, your leaves, will not wither, and whatever you do will prosper." In other words, He says, "Everything you do will be made successful." Even now, when you don't think everything is going to what you you unemployed, you're doing unemployment. Things aren't looking the way you want them to look. You already if you just keep on going they have already been made successful, if you just don't cave in, if you decide to see crisis or do you see opportunity. This is an opportunity for me to grow up in the Word. This is an opportunity for me to spend more time with my kids. This is an opportunity for me to learn how to invest in stocks. This is an opportunity for me to start my own business. This is an opportunity for me to hear God about what to do. When I take it as an opportunity and I hear God, it allows me to make my way successful. And in those times, you're growing in love. See, a lot of times, you're not even ready to sustain the harvest because your love, your foundation ain't right. If you you ain't went and listened to Sunday's message, you need to go listen to Sunday's message. I can't go back and teach. I don't have the time to teach all the dad talk, but it was good. But, but, But because you don't understand that you're growing in a season where it doesn't seem like you're harvesting stuff, what is happening is your love is being established. What's happening is you're growing in character. What's happening is your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, your intellect, they're all coming into alignment. They're all coming into an agreement with God. And so what happens is, Your soul is aligned in agreement. You're preparing for sustaining a harvest. Your root system is strong and the trunk is strong and you can support the harvest when? In your what? Season. But I don't cave in in crisis. I don't cave in when it doesn't look like what I don't think it should look like. Why? Because it doesn't even matter what you think it should look like because your opinion doesn't matter in the kingdom. Go ahead and say that. Say my opinion does not matter in the kingdom. See, if you take a look at it, love is the roots. Humility is the trunk. Harvest is on the branches. So kind of like what dad was talking about Sunday, when we are that tree planted by the rivers of living water, our root system, that's the love, that's the foundation. Humility is the trump, so you want that humility to be. I mean, that the humility to be strong. What do I mean? Humility to be strong. Your submission to obeying God when God saying, "Hey, this is your time and your season," and you like, but God, I'm on, I'm on unemployment. How's this my time and your my season? Because He said it was. God, your marriage is whole, but how my marriage whole? I can't stand that dude. I can't stand. It. I don't even like looking at her. But God is telling you your marriage is whole. How are you seeing it? Is it Christ? Or is it opportunity? Because this is what you got to understand. There is never a crisis in heaven, and because I am a son of God and I inherit the kingdom of God, there is never a crisis in my life, unless you decide to see that you in one. But if you experience crisis, because that's what you choose to do, but you got to see that it's opportunity to exhibit my faith. God said He will give us opportunity. Show me your 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 faith by your actions. How are you standing? As God said do you an invest, are you investing? If God told you to forgive your spouse, have you forgiven your spouse? If God told you to read a book about parenting, have you read that book? Show me your faith. By your actions. Because we hear God, but we don't do what he says. But we expect a different outcome than what we get when we operate in our flesh. So you got to understand that crisis and opportunity is all in the eye of the beholder. Because when they burned Japan and everything was wiped out, they could have gave up, but what is Japanese word for crisis? Opportunity. They came back and was the number one exporter of all kinds of stuff, cars, you name it. Why? Because in the midst of a crisis, what are you looking at? If you take your eyes off God, you fail. Look at Peter, God. He says that you. If that be you, God, call me out here to walk. Call me. And Peter was walking on that water. Why? He said, opportunity, based off the word of God, that's all you need for opportunity. You don't need things to line up. You don't need the world system to agree. You don't need the, your bank account to agree. You don't need anything to agree with you except you agreeing with the word of God. Because when the word of God comes, it is opportunity. Peter stepped out of that boat. And as long as he looked, as long as his vision was, was on God, he defied everything in the earth. And that's what God is trying to do for you right now. You are so closed in your vision. God is saying, I'm trying to do a new thing in your life. I know, baby, you ain't never seen it happen for nobody else, but I am that God that creates rivers and deserts. I am that God that casts down a stick and it turns to a snake. I am that God that moves millions of people across the bed of a sea and it's dry. I am that God. And you're so confining me to a box in the midst of this crisis when I'm trying to give you opportunity. The word is harvest this year. The word is alignment this year. The word is agreement and advancement this year. God is going to restore you back to the place you should have been if you obeyed him from the time you were born. Why? Because I see an opportunity. So, What is a crisis? To to heaven, you got to understand, in our lives, crisis seems like they take forever, right? Crisis seems like, it's like, man, how long is it going to take for my marriage to get better? How long is it going to take for my money to get better? How long is it going to take? But you do realize that God doesn't work on our time. Heaven's not on our time. So when we are experiencing a crisis, what we consider a long time, heaven considers a speck. God, like, we still talking about this? I already delivered you from your marriage. You still talking about this? I already delivered you from debt. We still talking about this? I already delivered your body from cancer. We still talking about this? I already delivered your kids. They're obedient. We still talking about this? I already delivered you from lying. We still talking about this? I already delivered you from addiction. Why? Because a crisis in heaven is but a speck. But we're dragging this thing out because we're not being consistent. Because when I'm consistent and I let consistency, patience, have a perfect work, I am perfect and entire wanting nothing. But when you think crisis is permanent, you begin to make permanent decisions on temporary situations. So check this. When I thought, if I thought my marriage couldn't work, I would have made a permanent decision. We would have got a divorce. Right? If. I thought if I had cancer, and I thought that I couldn't be get rid of cancer, I would have accepted that, allowed cancer to destroy my body, and just rolled out to death. Why? Because I would have made a permanent decision, right? When it was, your rent was due, your fort, uh, your house, right? Your, your mortgage is due, and God gave you a plan on how to do it, right? If you saw that as a crisis, Crisis closes your eyes to opportunity. Crisis takes you out of the spirit and puts you in the flesh. Flesh, when it's your uh, support system, leads you to destruction. So when I begin to see crisis as a crisis and not as an opportunity for God to grow me up, not as an opportunity for God to bless me, Then I close off God's ability to be good to me. I rely on myself. I enter into pride and I become disgraced, the reverse of grace. I enter destruction. So it's so key not to become, see crisis as crisis, because when I see crisis as crisis, then I have had to have taken my eyes off God. Well, Ralph, how how do I know if I'm seeing a crisis as a crisis? Right? How do I know that? Because you experience fear. Trauma. You're depressed. Despair. You're frustrated. Anxiety enters. Loneliness. Oh, God. Woe is me. I'm the only one. Right? You you feel abandoned. You feel weary. Hopelessness. You feel have a sense of loss. A sense of death. You feel like you're surviving. You're just making it. I'm surviving. You feel abused. Those are all signs that you are seeing a crisis without an eyes of having hope. All right? All ways that you can gauge Am I in mind crisis. So now, you already talked about crisis is an event over which we have no control, right? We're always in control of our thoughts. So even in the midst of a crisis, I can't control the crisis, but I can control my thoughts. I can't control the th- crisis, but I can control my thoughts. And when I control my thoughts, it determines my perspective. I, lo- I love the way Pastor Dollar uh, lays it out, right? When I you have a thought, it produces an emotion. Those emotions, uh, I have an acronym in my w- mind how I remember it. It's called TDAC. Thoughts produce those emotions. Those emotions produce decisions. Those decisions produce actions. Those actions produce habits. Those habits produce your character. And so if you not, so even in the midst of a crisis, I can control my thoughts. If I can control my thoughts, then I can control my emotions. If I can control my emotions, then I can control my decisions. If I am controlling my decisions, oh man, I'm doing good, right? If I'm controlling my decisions, then I can control my habits. If I control my habits, then I can control my character. And if my character is controlled, then I am going to be consistently applying what God says to apply, and I will see the goodness of the Lord. But if you get messed up in that first place, and you can't control your thoughts, then everything else is going to go downhill, right? So let's get to it. And here's another litmus test. Character is not made in crisis, it's only exhibited. Some of us have exhibited what we've really believed in these last 17 weeks. We have found out where our faith was. When we were squeezed by the economy, when we were squeezed by jobs closing, when we were squeezed by our kids being at home every day with us, when we were squeezed by restaurants being closed, when we were squeezed by all of these things, What was in us came out. Your character, your true way of life was revealed, right? That's what was revealed. That's what crisis does. It shows you who you are. Now, if you found out the person you were, you didn't like, just change it, right? So like Abraham, you have to outlast the season. We talked about that. Romans 4 and 20, it says, Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say it was hopeless. He didn't focus on Sarah's body and the decades of infertility and give up. He plunged into the premise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God will make good on what he said. Think about Abraham. This is what I'm talking about. Outlasting the season. Let's look at Abraham as an example. His vision, crisis, opportunity. How do I see it? Abraham was told he'd be the father of many nations. Abraham didn't have no kids. Abraham's name wasn't Abraham. And, and God told him he will have it. And it says he didn't focus. Once again, hello, he didn't consider what he saw in the flesh. Stop considering what you see with your own eyes. Stop considering what your bank account says. Stop considering what the economy says. Stop considering all those things. They don't really matter. He said he didn't consider the decades of infertility. So Sarah ain't just been bearing; They ain't been trying to have no baby for one year, not two years. It said decades. It says, and he didn't give up. It says that he plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God will make good on what he said. I'm telling you tonight, God is going to make good on what he said. I don't know what God told you, Personally, but I do know what God told this church and that this is the year of God's great harvest. This is the year that this is be our greatest year yet. That is what God has told us. And this is what I'm telling you tonight. God will make good on what he said. If you plunge into the promise like Abraham did, it says God has already seen you through the season with victory. You've already experienced victory. It's just how you see it. How are you seeing it? Be like Father Abraham. He's like, you know what? I ain't considering my bank account when God told me I can have this house. I ain't considering uh, my bank account, uh, my job when God told me to have this house. I ain't considering unemployment. I ain't considering my credit score. I am going to plunge in deep into the word of God. And I'm going, the Bible says, Abraham said he will be ready for God. You know what that is? That's patience. That's consistency. He was saying, God, I am pledging into your word. I'm going to be consistent and believe in your promise, and I know your promise will leave me perfect with and lacking nothing. And what do we know about Abraham now? He's the father of many nations. Why? Because he chose not to stagger out He chose to stagger not the premises of God through unbelief. He chose to see a situation that may seem seem like a crisis. Why was that a crisis for Abraham? He was supposed to be the father of nations. He didn't have no kids. He walking around with no kids. And then what else? Crisis creates creativity. What did that brother do? He went in to his handmaid trying to produce the solution. And so but God lined them back out. But look, crisis makes you creative. And in the midst of creativity, Holy Spirit will speak to you about a business to make. I do. He'll speak to you about how to make money. So look at Caleb in Numbers 13. Caleb, the children of Israel were already promised the land. Moses sent out the spies. The spies came back and was like, hey, look, it's flowing with milk and honey. This is wonderful. Uh, And Caleb was like, let's go. And they was like, but we are grasshoppers in their sight. What made them not inherit? Their own sight. Right now, God has prepared a place for you. There is harvest with your name on it. There are things he wants to get to you. But you, are you like Caleb who says, let's go in? Or are you like the other spies that went into the land and says, but God, we are grasshoppers in our, in our sight. God, I, I'm too ignorant. God, I didn't go to college. God, I don't have a high school degree. God, I'm black. God, I'm a woman. God, I like this. God, I stutter. God, what excuses are you making? How are you minimizing yourself from inheriting what God has called you to have? God, ain't, God knew your shortcomings when He asked you to do it. He knew Moses couldn't talk well when He asked Moses to lead the people. He knew David would sleep with Bathsheba when He asked David to be king. Like God, God isn't unaware of your failures. But his love captures all of those and causes you to still inherit. So don't be messed up about what you feel like is enough. God is enough. You don't have to be, God is. Why? Because the moment you start considering self, you start to inner pride. The moment you start considering yourself, you start to enter arrogance. The moment you start to consider yourself, you become your own idol. You block out God and what he wants to do and then you put yourself up and you block the very thing that God is trying to get to you. Don't let yourself get in the way of receiving from God. This is your harvest, a great, this is your year of great harvest. And so Caleb realized that, hey, we God already promised us this land. Why are you tripping on how big they are? <laughs> oh, pre- God has already promised you the house. Why are you tripping on how much it costs? God has already promised you uh, debt deliverance. Why are you tripping on how much debt you have? God has already promised you a healthy body. Why are you tripping on what kind of sickness you have? God has already called your marriage whole. Why are you tripping on what your husband looked like, what your spouse looked like? God has already called your children obedient. Why are you tripping on what they're doing today? Where is your focus, child? God? What you looking at? What are you looking at? We got to understand that the word is permanent. You got to know that the word is permanent. It says in Isaiah, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand. The word has established its permanency. But yet do we doubt it in the midst of adversity. You can't throw down the word when it gets inconvenient. You can't quit on God when it gets hard. You can't can't let go of your faith when anytime it doesn't look like what you feel like it should look like. Let go of your feelings and grab hold tight to faith, to patience, to consistency. You know why people see crisis? Heaven doesn't experience crisis. But you know why we succumb to crisis? Because we take our eyes off the word and we put it on the world. We take our eyes off the world, I mean word, and we put it on the world. And when we put our eyes and our vision becomes what we see in the world, it causes our vision to change, our perspective changes. And no longer do we see the word, no longer do we see victory, but now we see fear, now we see debt, now we see depression, now we see... uh, Well now we see abuse, now we see abandonment, now we become despair, now we become anxious, all because we fail to keep our eyes on God. Hallelujah. Make that confession. God is enough. I don't have to be. God is enough. You don't have to be all that. God is all that. He says I am that I am. He can become a, a clear speaking tongue for you if you stutter. He can he he become he became healing for you already. He already became provision for you. He already came deliverance for you. Whatever you need, he says I am that. Whatever you need, I am that. But see, a lot of us, we, 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 get, we get a word from God, but we become like the disciples when they were in the boat. And Mark 4, he, Jesus said, hey, look, uh, it's late. Let's grow to the other side, right? And But a huge storm came, right? Bills came, right? Your, your, your spouse did something you didn't like that hurt your heart, right? Your kids hurt your feelings. Your job laid you off, right? Let's make this practical. It says, a huge storm came, waves poured into the boat, threatening to sink it. And Jesus was in the stern, head on a pillow. Why? You know why Jesus was resting? Hallelujah. Because heaven ain't never worried about a crisis. Heaven doesn't experience a crisis. Even in the midst of the storm, peace is always in heaven. And because I'm a child of God, and I have the inheritance of which Jesus provided for me through his death, I always experience what heaven experiences. Therefore, I don't experience crisis. Even in the midst, Jesus was asleep. And the disciples woke him up like, teacher, what? You don't see this? Are you not afraid? They what they, they were going by what they saw. Crisis or opportunity. And Jesus woke up like, he told the wind, hey, wind, pipe down. He said to the sea, quiet. Settle down. It says, I love the message translation. The wind ran out of breath and the sea became smooth as glass. Then Jesus reprimanded the disciples. He says, why are you such cowards? Don't you have any faith at all? Another day, I was talking to God and I made a post on Facebook. Because sometimes you'll catch yourself. You're like, well, I'm believing for this. You're like, well, I'm going to hold off on this. And God says, am I not big enough? And I'm not God enough? Am I not the creator of all things? Can I not give you a house, restore your marriage, increase your bank account by decreasing your debt, eliminate debt, paying off your car, ensuring that you're healthy, watching over your kids, ensuring your marriage is excellent and keeping you safe? Am I not big enough to do it all? Why are you such cowards to believe me? Why are you such cowards to believe God? And I was like, God, I repent. I repent for not believing you. I repent for limiting you to what I feel like you're capable of doing. God, I won't be a a faith punk, as Pastor Sean puts it. I won't be a faith punk. I don't want to be that coward. I don't want to be that person that succumbs to crisis. I want to see opportunity, God, opportunity to dig into your word and to see my consistency, my patience, cause me to be perfect and lacking nothing. God, I see it the way you see it, Father. I call it for what it is and it becomes. So I call it debt freedom. I call it houses. I call in cars. I call in good kids. I call in excellent marriages. I call in healthy bodies. I call in sound, sound minds. I call in a church that is fully furnished with everything that it needs. I call in resources. I call it in God because I refuse to be a coward. And what the body of Christ has is too many cowards who are afraid to believe God for everything he said they can have. And so I decided, is it crisis or opportunity? Will Will I fail? Will I quit? Will I allow the world to dictate to me like the disciples did? Will I just stop? Will I go wake up God afraid? Or will I stagger not like Father Abraham? Will I dig in and plunge into the world like he did? Ready for God to show himself strong. Ready for God. To show itself strong. Why? Because if the disciples would have focused on the word they got in the beginning, we're going to the other side, is what Jesus told them. And when Jesus gave them that, him that word, nothing else mattered. See, what happened is you got a word from God, but you was like Eve, the devil came in. And I can't even blame it on the devil. You took your focus off the word and you began to hear the wind and it began to walk, rock the boat. You began to look at the, the the waves as they got bigger. You began to hear the wind howl and get louder. And before you know it, you were afraid. Before you know it, you was in despair. Before you know it, you were anxious. Before you know it, your body was beginning to to exhibit the fear that was taking place on the inside of you because you took your focus off of what the word said. And when you took your focus off the word, opportunity became crisis. Crisis affected you. You became afraid, you became fearful. And then when you made yourself your support, you failed. So we gotta maintain focus on God, right? We got to maintain focus on God. The Bible tells us, he tells us, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, what? Pray. The disciples should have prayed. Be anxious for nothing, in all things, what? Pray. It says, be confident. God will finish what he started. They knew the word, but knowing the word isn't good enough if you ain't going to apply it. Knowing the word isn't good enough if you're not going to apply it. So, the devil know the word. The Bible says that. The enemy knows the word. I love it when dad teach, he always talk about hearken. That is to hear and do. So in the midst of adversity, when you hear wind, pray. When you see ways, pray. And Philippians tell it tells us, what does it tell us over there, in Philippians? It says, Pastor C. talk about it. It says, uh, gosh, I just went blank. I, it'll come back to me. But Pray about every don't worry about anything, but instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and praise Him that it's done. And so what we gotta understand is this: we ain't to be anxious. I know your job, you got laid off. Baby, don't be anxious. Why? Be it, but in all things pray. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be confident that the same God that told you this is your great harvest, the same God that said you will experience victory, the same God that told you he'll never leave you for or forsake you, that he'll always be by your side, that same God that raised Jesus from the dead, that same God that created earth, he got your back. Philippians 1 and 6. Be confident he'll finish what he started. Type that for me. I am confident he'll finish what he started. I am confident he'll finish what he started. I am confident that he'll finish what he started. All right, let's wrap up. All right. I lost track of time. Oh, it's 932. Let's wrap up. It says, John 16, 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. He is telling us again. See, once again, we can't walk as Christians always thinking it's going to be easy. Always thinking it's not going to require some work. Always thinking that it's always going to smell like roses. Always thinking that thing. As a Christian, we will experience hardships. We will be sucker punched, but we'll always have peace. That's what the word says. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace, in the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, I have overcome the world. In 1 John 5 verses four and five it says, for everyone born of God, that's me, overcomes the world. This is a victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Now, let me tell you something. That word world means cosmos. All right. Stay with me. Hang on. The word world means cosmos. It means the governing systems, the power of control, the systems of influence, the constitutions. Hallelujah. The order of government and the world affairs. So let's reread that scripture. I have told you these things so that in me you have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What is that word world means? It means I have overcome governing systems. I have overcome powers and controls. I have overcome systems of influence. I have overcome constitutions. I have overcome governments. And I have overcome world affairs. So baby in Christ. He says, "Don't be despaired. Don't be weary. Don't be anxious. Don't be troubled. Why? Because your daddy has already overcome it. He says, and you have already overcome the world. You have already overcome systems. You have already overcome powers and controls. You have already come overcome systems of influence." constitutions, governments, and world systems. You have already overcome it. And what is it that overcome it, baby? It was your faith that made it overcome. Why? Because when is faith? Faith is now. Faith is the substance of things not seen. I mean, the substance of things seen, the evidence of things not seen. Faith gives me the ability to see what's in heaven. Therefore, I understand that I have already overcome. This crisis. And see, I love what Psalm says. We're going to end in Psalms 91. See, we read Psalms 91, but let's let's read Psalms 91. And this is where we're ending. It says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God and abides under the shadow of the Almighty, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His trust shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Look at verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the error that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right side, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold. Only with thy eyes shall... Go ahead. See, so y'all should be shouting right now. Only with your eyes shall you behold it. Baby, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. The Bible says only. That's how I can be in a crisis. There's a world crisis in the world. There's a pandemic in the world. But only with my eyes shall I behold it. Though though companies shall fall at my left and more companies shall fall at my right, though things may be disastrous. He's describing a pandemic. He is describing a crisis. It is a crisis occurring in Psalms 91. He is telling you that in the midst of it all, verse eight, only with your eyes shall you behold it. It says, because you have made me the Lord, which is my refuge, and in the most high their habitation. There shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come of their dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest that you dash your foot against the stone. It says in verse 14: Because he has set his love upon you. Therefore he'll deliver you, he'll set you on high, because he has known your name even in the midst of the crisis and a pandemic, God knows your name. He knows the promises he told you. He hasn't forgotten. He knows the promises he has told you. And so this is what I need you to understand. Crisis or opportunity, how do you see it? Because God said, even in the midst of a pandemic, Even in the midst of a crisis, even in the midst of economies failing, even in the midst of companies that we never thought of closing or shutting their doors, even in the midst of being laid off, even in the midst of your spouse acting a fool, even in the midst of things bent sucker punching you and you getting bills, it said, only with your eyes shall you behold. So what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe you got to experience this? Are you going to believe what the word says? Only with my eyes will I behold it. Why? Because the Lord will sustain me. He is the God that will see me through. He says, when we call on him, verse 15, Psalm 91, 15, when we call on him, he'll answer us. He will be with us in trouble and he will deliver us. Why? Because God honors us with long life will satisfy him and he'll show us his salvation. Praise God. He will show us his salvation. God has overcome the world. He has overcome the systems. He has overcome the governments. And what is it that has overcome the world and given us victory? Even our faith. So in this time god is giving you words to bring you increase he's giving you word to bring you harvest he's giving you words to cause you to increase and experience this year a great harvest he is telling you don't fret that i don't care what's happening with those jobs i don't care what's happening and you may be like but well, god i did get laid off but only with your eyes shall you behold. You got to realize your job wasn't your source in the first place. God is your source. Your job was a resource. Only with your eyes shall you behold. You'll still be sustained because God is still living. He says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never fail. What was the word that I gave you? That you will, that I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Only with your eyes shall you behold it. And God is saying, what's in your hand? God is asking you right now, what is in your hand? And you're like, well, God, I don't got nothing. All I got is, all I know how to do is bake cookies. God, all I know how to do is encourage people. God, all I know how to do is make Excel sheets. God, all I know how to do is lay concrete. God, all I know how to do is whatever. Think about this, and we're going to end here. When, when, the, when the man of God came to the woman with the oil, he said, what did you have in your house? I'm asking you tonight, Christian, I'm asking you tonight, Saint, what do you have in your house? He, the woman said, I don't have anything. She said, all I got is a little oil and, 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 some, and some meal. I mean, I mean, uh, a little oil. And, and, and he said, go borrow containers from everybody. And and, and, and she, she borrowed the containers and he, he said, pour the oil because she had to pay pay some bills." Pour, pour the oil. And she poured the oil and the oil, and the oil kept pouring 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 until she was able to pay off everything that she needed and have money left over. Don't minimize what's in your hand. I know you think it's a small idea, but it's the idea that God gave you for harvest. I understand you don't think you can do it, but it's it's what God gave you for harvest. I understand you think you should leave your money in that stock, but God told you to pull it out. So it is your way for harvest because harvest is not loss. So God will give you ways now just so that you don't experience loss, just so that you don't experience anything without. God is seeing you through. What's in your hand? And, and I mix the story, but think about the woman with the with the oil and the bread. The woman that God said, make me some first. Right? Make me some first. The man, she, what's in your hand? God is, prepared. see, we want harvest to show up in our lives by money coming into our account, just magically. Oops, you got two million. God is telling you things to do. What's in your hand. Nothing but meal and oil, God. Make me a cake first. But we about to eat this and die, God. This is my last, Father. I don't have anything else. Crisis or opportunity. How do you see it? She saw as opportunity. Brought the man of God some cake first. Brought, made the man of God his cornbread, right? Got him his good sweet cake. He ate the cake and the barrel of meal waste not. Neither did the oil waste until abundance showed up. She had what she needed because she chose to see it as an opportunity. She chose it to see it as an opportunity opportunity to be consistent, to dive into the word of God and to trust the father, to know that his word is permanent. And this ain't nothing but a season anyway. She knew that cornbread was for a season. She knew that she was going to eat that and die. She understood it was temporary. She understood that it wasn't going to sustain her. So she said, I might as well trust God. But when she put it in the hands of God, man, when she put it in the hand of God, it multiplied. Why? Because God always has your best interest in mind. I know it looks like he's taking you to a place you ain't never been, in, and you're going into the wilderness trust God. I know it's places that you ain't ever seen. Your friends ain't been there and your mom and them ain't been there. It doesn't look like something that that can occur, but trust God. He knows where he's going. He ain't new to this. He's true to this. He is tried and true to deliver you. Listen, I know you don't know that you know that you're capable. See, you don't even know the potential that lies on the inside of you, but trust God. This is your season This is your time. Trust God. I know you can't comprehend how that little small thing he asked you to do is so important, but trust God. The Holy Ghost is the contractor that is putting this all together. You got to understand that it was the Holy Ghost that built that foundation of love and caused it to be there in your heart that Pastor Ellen talked about on Sunday. It was the Holy Ghost that brought in the contractors to build that low bearing wall so that you can be advanced and it can be supported. It is the Holy Ghost that is bringing the general contractor that is causing all of this to work on your behalf. He is preparing you to be sus- able to sustain the harvest. So don't despair when it doesn't look like it's working, baby. Your faith still works. You still bless. You not sinning. God is hearing you. You just working on that foundation. You're building that wall because when that harvest come, they got to be able to stand on something. It has to be able to stand, and the Holy Ghost. Pericles, the power the Dedamus he' is the one that's going to contract he is causing it to come to pass so you gotta uh, you gotta align you gotta agree so that he can advance you. And what do you got to align yourself with? You got to align yourself with the word, but you got to agree in your heart that it's for you and God has your best interests in mind. You got to agree in your heart. You got to be willing and obedient and, and without murmuring and complaining, you got to pursue what God has told you. God can be trusted. And then when you align yourself with the word and you agree with willingness and obedience, then advancement comes and it sits on top of those low bearing walls. And it is sustained because you took the time to see a crisis as an opportunity. You took the time to see it the way God has told you to see it. You were consistent and you staggered not. You plunged into the depths of the word and you were ready for God knowing that what he has started, he has surely finished. So thank you so much. I'll, I'll just close my notes. I can't even see y'all comments. But know that God loves you. Know that God will see you through. And I'm telling you, some of y'all are like, I can't hear God, Ralph. And I've been hearing it all week. Go back to the last thing he told you to do. God don't, he don't need to talk to you about 90 other things when you ain't done the last thing he said. Go back to the last, do it, and then hear. Go back to the last thing he told you to do, do it, and then hear. So, giving. God, so, so. You need to be sowing the word in your life, <laughs> in your kids' life, and everybody else's life around you. Number one, you need to be sowing your money. Why? Because harvest is here. It ain't coming. It's here. It was put here before 2020 ever came. Before COVID ever was here, your harvest was already here. Your harvest was here before Pastor Evan talked about it last winter. Yo harvest is here. We ain't gonna talk about that. It's here. Sow your seed in align with God. All right? Sow your seed into the Word. Now, also... You can go on, a, on our webpage, the guild, focchurch.com, so you can give there. Also, let's start with Monday. Mindset Mondays noon. Pastor Sh- Sean Strickland's page on Facebook. Go there. Mindset Monday is great. You got to always be working on your soul. Your soul, see, we are saved. We've been saved, and we will be saved. Now, I ain't going to touch all that. Go listen to uh, Elder Valley's message on on, on our uh page, but your soul is always being saved. It is the part of your body that is always being converted to align more and more with God. And so you need the word. And Pastor Shun is the best I know at helping you shift your soul. So that's Mondays. And sign up for some of her classes at shunstrickland.com. You can go there. And then Tuesdays, we pray at 8 p.m. at Fellowship of Champions page. Join us there. Uh, if you want to, join us for the fast. 8 p.m. on Monday to 8 p.m. on t- to uh, after prayer on uh, Tuesday. Where are we fasting from, Ralph? pick something. Ask God. I mean, if you don't, if you aren't used to fasting, just fast. Like I ain't drinking soda or eating sweets today from 8 p.m. on Monday to uh, after prayer on Tuesday, especially our virtual partners. We encourage you. I mean, some things come out by prayer and fasting. Fasting helps you to align with God. It doesn't move God, but it moves us into what God has already done. It helps us hear clearly. It cleans us out and it's healthy for your body too. Uh, and so that's Tuesday night prayer. Wednesdays, you know, we here. Every Wednesday, 8.30 Central Standard Time. Personal page or Fellowship of Champions. And then Sunday morning at 9.30, run over to Christian Valley Worships. As you get up, get your coffee we- ready. Man, listen, I love when uh, Chris worships. Uh, I love when Pastor Chris worships. I mean, it, I look forward to it every Monday. Uh, I mean, every Sunday at 9.30. It, it just sets the mood for everything, I love when she worships. It's so pure and it just comes from the best place and it really moves us into 10 o'clock service on Sunday on the FOC page. Okay? So I encourage you guys to so thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, I know I went over a little bit. I don't apologize for that. I'm telling you, in this time, a lot of you got more time than you ever had before due to so much downtime. Stick to the word. Spend time in the word. Don't cheat yourself. Because here's the thing, uh, the Bible talks about, be, don't be the partner that gets left behind. And then you get offended with God while other people harvest it, and you didn't, because other people put in time. Don't be that partner. Don't be that person. So I think that's all the announcements. Uh, also, if you are want to be a virtual partner, hey, man, I like what they teach on Wednesdays. I like what they teach on Sundays. I love it going to corporate prayer and all these things. Become a virtual partner. Uh, it's not on my personal page, but if you go to Fellowship of Champions, the link, uh, you can go to focchurch.com and you can become a virtual partner and partner with us. We'll pray for you, pray over you, everything. And partnership, we expect for you to do the same. You'll be praying for the ministry because partnership means that we're in this together. Nobody's left alone. Alright, so I thank you guys for hanging out for me. I, with me on Wednesdays. Uh, I know the last couple of Wednesdays have been long. Like I said, I'm not going to apologize for that. But I think this is a time for us to grow. It's a time for us to harvest. It's a time for us to blossom. It's a time for us to see the manifestations of the Son of God, sons of God, which is us. Alright, and if God's looking for somebody to show, his, show himself strong to, it might as well be me. So bless you guys. Have a great night. My batteries are going dead. I love you. As always, be grateful and remain humble. And remember at Fellowship of Champions, we're teaching you to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. Good night.